The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is no substitute for professional care by your doctor or your qualified healthcare professional. Never disregard or delay professional medical advice because of something you've heard on this podcast or in any linked material. Guests who speak on this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. Dr. Shirley neither endorses nor opposes any particular opinion discussed on this podcast. The views expressed on this podcast have no relation to those of any academic, hospital, practice, institution, or other entity with which Dr. Shirley may be affiliated. Welcome to Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty. This podcast is curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD, as the definitive source of holistic wellness through beauty. title of this week's episode of 15 Minutes of Fab on the Forever Fab podcast is Unlocking the Benefits of Herbal Remedies and Supplements Part 2, Weight Management. On last week's episode of 15 Minutes of Fab on the Forever Fab podcast, I reintroduced what you need to know about dietary supplements. In case you missed it, I'll review some of the more salient points today. And also on today's episode, I'll discuss which supplements may help you better manage pounds and cravings. So personally, my clothes no longer fit well, if at all. The cellulite is back with a vengeance. My doctor recently informed me that my cholesterol is high and did not improve with my nutritional interventions over the past several months. Shapewear has not produced the shape that I want. And although the extra sort of Fat in my face helps me to look more youthful, which I totally appreciate, right? Volume in the face makes you look more youthful. I'm kind of taking issue with the fact that the added tissue on my body is not what I want to experience. As a woman of a certain age, none of these experiences is surprising to me, of course. As we age, our metabolism slows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In general, we either maintain our exercise levels or we reduce it as we get up there in years. We either eat the same way that worked for us for years, we eat more or less, more or less, but it doesn't seem to reflect well on my waistline. I'm talking about the battle of the bulge, (laughs) the struggle to resize, the varying efforts to reduce the pooch, the menopausal middle, the orange peel skin, or as some people like to call it, maybe it sounds a little sexier, peau d'orange. (laughs) Call it whatever you wish. The point is that for many of us, at some point, your weight will go off the rails and leave you feeling less confident, less joyful, and desperate to manage the pounds or kilograms and curb the cravings. Now, not everyone experiences this. Some people understand that these shifts, especially hormonal shifts that may lead to changes in weight, are natural and, you know, are graceful part of aging. That's all good. But for me, I just don't want to buy a whole other wardrobe. I really don't. (laughs) So I'm on this journey to figure out exactly how I could better understand what's going on with my body as I age and figure out how to maintain it and sustain it in a healthy way, obviously not overdoing it. And naturally, I know I've got options. I know I'm a physician. I know I've got prescriptions at the ready for me. But I'm not going there yet. 
I'm not going there. But first, as with most, if not all issues, you have to get to the root of the cause, right? Or the root causes, plural. And I've been asking myself, and if you are on this, on a similar journey, ask yourself some questions if you've gained unhealthy weight. Have I created an imbalance? Do I eat more calories than I burn through activity? Do I exercise regularly and consistently? Do I drink enough water daily? Do I get enough restful sleep each night? Do I manage my stress effectively, efficiently, and frequently? Is my nutrition whole, healthy, and enjoyable? When I do eat, am I taking in oversized food portions? And when I am sated or after I'm satisfied, do I actually continue to eat past my satiety point? Do I participate in emotional eating? Does my genetic makeup contribute to a susceptibility to gain weight? And if so, what may I do about this? Do I have an underlying medical condition that contributes to an unhealthy weight? Am I taking medications that can lead to weight gain? Lots of questions. Some of them not so easy. Some of them you have to get help in answering. Some of them you have to research. But once you have some of the answers, dive into what you think you can do to correct some of the issues that you're having. And you know as well as I do that the world is full of offers to assist with weight loss, right? Some of those include, and I'm sure you've seen the commercials or heard the jingles, but they're not limited to some of these, right? More is in the pipeline or more are in the pipeline. But to start, we know what's available now, diets. It could be keto, paleo, Mediterranean, intermittent fasting, 5-2, caloric restriction, etc. It goes on and on. Mindful eating, exercise. Of course, there are tons of those. Lots of, you know, trainers and people advocating for what they think is the best exercise that will shred, you know, pounds fast. Cardio, um, you know, high interval intermittent training, aerobics, Pilates even, you know, hot yoga, etc. And of course, the prescription medications, Phentermine, you may know it as Adipex or Lomira, um, Lorcaserin, Belvic, Naltrexone, um, Liraglutide, that's called Sesenda, and of course, the ever-popular GLP-1 agonists called Semaglutide and Tirzepatide, Wagovia, Zempic, Manjaro, Rebelsis. I mean, side effects. Most recently, <laughs> suicidal ideation was um, listed. So those are the popular ones. Then, of course, there's surgery. But, you know, with surgery, you've got pain, you've got scars, you've got potential complications. And then lastly, but of course, not exclusively, there are supplements. But the question is, of the, all of those on the list, right, supplements seem less intimidating and perhaps though less effective. And there are, however, many people as well for whom combining some of these techniques that I just mentioned and performing them consistently, regularly, and in a committed fashion, for some people, maybe a lot of people, that combination of, you know, maybe diet plus exercise and, um, you know, supplements, um, meditation, etc. Maybe a combination of things, caloric restriction has resulted in successful weight loss and sustainable weight management for a lot of people. I'm not one of those people, <laughs> sadly. Most people have tried numerous diets to no lasting effect. Most people have maybe even increased their exercise routines 
to unsatisfactory effect. Many people have worked on a combination of improving their sleep, managing their stress, you know, drinking lots of water, reducing caloric intake, you know, stopping carbs, and to not much of an effect. I am one of those people. I don't think I'm alone, though, to want to avoid the risks of surgery, even though I am a surgeon. I know all about the risks. I don't think, at least when it comes to weight loss, I want to avoid that surgery. And I want to avoid the adverse effects of prescription medications to shed pounds and effectively manage my weight. And I frankly don't want to be on any prescription medications until I absolutely need it. I really like my clothes, by the way. And I don't want to buy an entirely new wardrobe. I'm not interested and I don't want to succumb to a new set point, this new set point where I find myself. And like many of you, perhaps, I've been looking for a safe, doable, natural, sustainable way to complement nutrition, exercise, and mindset to help me lose some of those pounds that I really do need to lose based on what my, my doctor just told me. And since I'm studying plant medicine, and I added that to the roster of medical knowledge I possess, it occurred to me that plants may provide a missing or part of a link to healthy weight management. I'm not sure. And healthy weight management is however you determine that for yourself. That's when I decided to further research herbal or plant-based supplements because as I'm studying it, I'm realizing, hmm, some plants some medicinal plants, have beneficial effects for a number of medical conditions. So why not? Perhaps plants can have active ingredients to help maintain healthy weight. Okay, let's rewind. In case you missed it, here's a brief recap of last week's episode of 15 Minutes of Fab on the Forever Fab podcast. I'll review. What are herbal supplements? Well, simply... They're products made from plants, plant parts, or plant extracts, also some of them animals, that may be used internally to help improve health or treat a certain condition. Like everyday vitamins, herbal supplements also come in many forms. They come as oils, capsules, powders, gummies, liquids, and others. But unlike sort of -of run-of-the-mill herbal products or supplements, Herbal supplements themselves may come as a tincture or brewed as a tea. So unlike regular vitamins and run-of-the-mill products, herbal supplements, plant-based botanical supplements come either, also come as a tincture and also may be brewed as a tea. So you've got options. I'm not a huge pill taker, which is (laughs) part of my major problem with taking supplements. But hey, there's also a tincture and I love tea. So maybe tea is the better option for me. Well, Are herbal supplements safe? According to Johns Hopkins Medicine, quote, the FDA considers herbal supplements foods, not drugs. Therefore, they're not subject to the same testing, manufacturing, and labeling standards and regulations as drugs, end quote. So yes, I guess they could be considered safe because the FDA considers them as food. But on the other hand, because they're not subject to rigorous testing, then they may not be safe. Botanicals are also associated with interactions, just like other drugs have them, right? Meaning that the herbs can negatively interact with another medicine you're taking and could either reduce the effectiveness of that medication, increase the effects or compound the effects of that medication, 
create a toxic product or byproduct one in combination with that medication. You have to know that one person's panacea may be another person's poison. So how do you know what to choose if you choose any at all? My recommendation to you is to ask and work with a professional. For managing your health with adjunctive plant-based remedies, I recommend working with a licensed herbalist, naturopathic physician, or a physician trained in phytomedicine or plant medicine. Last week, I also concluded the episode with these tips. Number one, plant-based medicines are powerful and can be used to great benefit. However, number two, do not self-prescribe an herbal supplement based on what you've read, seen, heard, or a combination of all those things, <laughs> unless that information came from a reputable, credible professional. And number three, when you are working with a medical professional, please be completely transparent about the medicines that you take, including prescriptions, over-the-counter medications, and all supplements, herbal, botanical, traditional, otherwise, etc. On last week's episode, I recounted a couple of stories about how there were patients who were on supplements, herbal supplements, and didn't reveal that to her physicians, and some problems ensued. Okay. Are there actual plant-based supplements that may, in fact, help to manage weight at the minimum or reduce weight? Wow, bonus, right? The answer is yes and no. Yes, a number of botanicals have been traditionally used in several cultures for decades to manage blood glucose and insulin levels. Secondarily, these botanicals may lead to weight loss because what is intricately involved in the whole weight management situation are glucose and insulin. So it's possible that the botanicals can somehow affect that complex interaction with managing glucose and insulin in our bodies and therefore secondarily lead to healthier weight. But the answer to can the supplements actually help is also no, because to date, there have been few, if any, randomized, double-blind, placebo-controlled scientific studies, and that's the, that's the gold standard, the titanium standard. There's been a lack, if any, of these studies that prove that some of these supplements are actually effective and safe in weight loss. I'm not yet an expert on this, but here's what I know so far. A number of the prescription weight loss drugs exert their effect by mimicking or being an, what's called an agonist, right? Mimicking or being an agonist of this peptide, this protein called GLP-1 or glucagon-like peptide 1. By the way, spoiler alert, this is going to sound like a lecture, but I'll keep it brief. <laughs> and it's important. GLP-1 stimulates glucose-dependent insulin release from an organ in your body called the pancreas. And that GLP-1 has also been shown to slow gastric emptying or slow down the, you know, the processing of the food in your stomach and reduce food intake. So if you have this protein that once it's stimulated, it says, hey, I'm going to slow down, you know, the contractions in my stomach so I can feel full longer. And I'm also going to prevent a lot of that food from being processed out of the stomach so I can feel full longer. Then that 
results in perhaps less food intake. Because if you're feeling full and you're obeying that message from your brain and your stomach, I am full, I do no, do no, I no longer need or want any more food, then you're not going to take in as much food. So there's the reduced food intake and there's the caloric restriction. And there, over time, is the weight loss. Insulin regulates and lowers blood sugar, right? So after you eat a meal, your glucose goes up. It's like, woo, energy. And then insulin gets activated and it says, oh, hey, 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 hold on a minute. That's great. I'm glad you have the you know, the sugar and the energy, but we can't keep that hanging out too long in the bloodstream because glucose or sugar hanging out in your bloodstream for too long, it's just like, that's not good. So insulin comes along and sort of breaks up the party like, okay, folks, you know, you did your thing. Go back in, go back in the house, go back into the cells. And according to some current models of weight gain, and uh, this one from precisionnutrition.com, quote, insulin also keeps your body from burning fat for energy. In addition, insulin drives fat and sugar from your bloodstream into your fat and muscle cells where it could be used later for energy, end quote. So that's the point. Insulin is like, okay, I got the sugar in the bloodstream. You just ate a meal. Fantastic. But let's, you know, let's keep things nice and tight. And once you've gotten into the bloodstream, I need to put this glucose back into storage because I may need it later. I mean, it, it has, it's been evolutionarily established that this is what needs to happen. But in our modern day life, it doesn't quite need to happen the same way. So when blood glucose increases, as I mentioned um, after a meal, for example, your insulin also increases. So they dance together, right? It's this lockstep integrated balance of glucose and insulin that is referred to as insulin sensitivity. So meaning when you eat that meal or when your blood sugar goes up, your body's like, okay, hey, I got to dispatch insulin. One goes up, the other goes up. One goes up, the other kicks in. That means your body is sensitive to the insulin or your body is understands when the insulin has to be activated. When blood glucose rises, just enough insulin is released by this organ, your pancreas, to manage blood sugar and bring it back down to appropriate levels. It's protective. It's beautiful, actually. But there is a flip side of this coin, and it is a potential drawback if too much insulin is released. If too much insulin is relieved, this is actually called insulin insensitivity or insulin resistance. It's like there's an increased amount of insulin that's needed to get the job done of sending that glucose or blood sugar back into the fat and muscle cells for later use as energy. So because of that, an increased amount of insulin circulating in the bloodstream is also problematic, right? The body loves balance. The word for the body's balance is called homeostasis, right? Homeostasis, things stay the same. The body likes things balanced and to stay at a manageable level everywhere. So when you have too much of one thing and not enough of the other or not enough of one thing and too much of the other, that creates an imbalance. Insulin also inhibits the breakdown of fat because it prevents your cells from releasing the fat and sugar to be broken down. Remember, insulin is just like, hey, 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 get back in the house. I want to store you for later just in case. Insulin is mainly concerned with storing 
right? Fat and sugar in case your body needs them later for energy at a more critical time. It's always like your body's primed to be like, okay, in case a situation happens, I've got this stored up energy that if I need to run from something or do somersaults or something, or just like get out of a situation, I have the energy to be able to do that and preserve life and preserve function. Insulin can also stimulate a process where carbs, the dreaded carbs, but the necessary carbs, are converted to and stored as fat. And that process is called lipogenesis. Kind of really just means make fat. But typically this happens only when there's an excess of carbs and calories in the body. So you see it's just such a fine-tuned, intricate, integrated process. It's complex, but it's gorgeous. Right? So it's like, well, insulin does this, but also does that. It's this because it's protective and it's storing energy. But hold on a minute. It also does this, but it only does that when there's extra, extra lying around. So don't blame it all on the juice. Don't blame it all on the insulin. Insulin itself, by itself, doesn't cause weight gain. And as I've just explained, there's so many factors involved in the whole glucose insulin weight management situation. There are also a number of hormones involved. And you also need, by the way, to eat more calories than you use. So, you know, it's a multifactorial event. It's not just, oh, I ate too many carbs. It's not just that, folks. So much more. Other hormones, for example, in the body do just the opposite of insulin, right? And it's about to get even more complex. So, Okay, you got blood glucose and insulin, but hello, there are other hormones that keep insulin in check or do the opposite of insulin and help manage that whole blood glucose, you know, pathway. And those other hormones, you may have heard of some, are are leptin, growth hormone, glucagon, epinephrine, norepinephrine, and cortisol. Those actually inhibit the fat storage process and stimulate the breakdown of fat. Well, you can ask, okay, well, why don't I just take like a leptin pill? Um, It's not that easy. And that wouldn't answer the question. And that itself wouldn't necessarily lead to weight loss. Right? It's not that simple. What about metabolism? Well, did you know that, and I quote again from Precision Nutrition, Metabolism is highly related to body size. People with larger bodies generally have higher resting metabolic rates than people with smaller bodies, end quote. I didn't know that. Perhaps I should have known that, but I didn't know that. I mean, you're probably thinking like many of us, metabolism is this one time, one size fits all thing, and yet it is not. Also, a number of factors contribute to weight gain and weight loss. But as I just mentioned, I guess your size, your metabolic, basal metabolic rate, your fitness level, your genetics, your epigenetics, meaning your lifestyle, your habits, those sort of things. The health of your microbiome, you know, the community of microorganisms in your gut that help to dictate a lot of processes, your muscle mass, your exercise routine, your nutrition when your current diet. A lot of things go into the equation, not just eat less than what you use. That's why it's so frustrating. 
Remember glucagon, that hormone that stimulates fat loss? Well, guess what? <laughs> That's one of the primary actions of some of these prescription weight loss drugs, as I mentioned earlier, those semaglutides, right? And to stimulate the glucagon receptors in the body, these drugs give the body the hyped up message that the stomach is full and that you're no longer hungry. So wouldn't it be amazing if there were an herbal supplement that was currently available that did what those semaglutides do, meaning stimulate that glucagon receptor, but without the side effects? Unfortunately, to date, based on what I have researched and what I know, and I'm obviously still learning like you are, sadly, no such supplement exists. But there are a few, based on my extensive and, again, ongoing research, I'm learning along with you, there are a few that may have effects on the various processes involved in weight management that may actually help. And so I'm going to tell you about some of those right now. Berberine. Berberine increases the breakdown of fatty acids in the body. Would it be enough by itself as a supplement to result in weight loss? We don't know. Curcumin. Love that one because it just reduces total body inflammation and also helps to support a healthy microbiome. So as I mentioned earlier, a healthy microbiome is important to keep the processes working efficiently and effectively. So maybe a healthy microbiome could be a part of your weight management program. Cinnamon. Cinnamon increases in insulin sensitivity and stimulates glucose uptake into the cell. So it helps insulin do its thing. Soy protein. Soy protein suppresses food intake and increases satiety. Is that enough to perhaps lose weight if that's what you're looking to do? I'm not sure. From my personal experience, I eat a lot of edamame, like probably two to three times a week. <laughs> and I am still on my weight loss journey. So hmm. from my experience, soy protein is just not enough alone. Here's another one, resveratrol. Resveratrol breaks down fatty tissue and it actually stimulates brown fat. Now, remember from a previous episode of 15 Minutes of Fat where I talked about brown fat and when brown fat is activated, it increases a process called thermogenesis, which means like increase heat or increase your metabolism to a certain extent. And some people believe that that can actually help you lose weight. Garcinia inhibits an enzyme that the body uses to make fat. So if the body needs this helper, this enzyme to make fat, and Garcinia comes along and says, mm, I'm going to take that enzyme away, does the body not make fat? Well, based on how the body works, once it's missing something, it figures out a way to make it some other way. So not sure if Garcinia alone could help. Ginseng. Ginseng impacts your metabolism overall, and it helps to modify how your body burns fat. But exactly how? I definitely have to do more research on that. There was uh, quite a bit of you know, activity around hoodia extract because hoodia extract causes appetite suppression. And there have been some people who notice results with hoodia extract, but it's one of those things that may be associated with some side effects that are just not pleasant. Another botanical is called Caroluma fimbriata, and that inhibits 
the hunger mechanism and increases satiety or increases that feeling of feeling full. Chimnema sylvestre is another botanical that blocks the absorption of sugar and fats in the intestine. Okay, that might be a part of the equation. Fenugreek is an herbal that suppresses appetite, increases satiety, and decreases caloric intake. But again, if you were to take that, does your body interpret it as, oh, okay, let's just suppress the appetite for now, but we don't really need this because I need to take in calories because I need it for energy because, hello, I've been playing two hours of tennis a day. So would your body accept fenugreek's action or will it just say, okay, this is interfering with my normal homeostasis and kick it out? Not sure. Another botanical, glucomannon. It reduces appetite, it helps manage blood sugar, and it increases fat metabolism. And this is one you've heard of before, green tea extract. I drink a lot of green tea, folks. Green tea is supposed to increase your metabolic rate to help you burn more calories, but I'm not sure how much green tea I'd have to drink to really see that effect. So, so far, that's what I know. If you are on a healthy weight journey, as I am, please discuss some of these plant-based options with your medical and or herbal professional. And if you get an answer that seems really interesting or intriguing, drop me a line. Let me know how you do. This concludes this episode of 15 Minutes of Fab on the Forever Fab podcast. As always, stay beautiful and forever fabulous inside and out. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty, curated by Dr. Shirley Madir, MD. Live beautifully and help make the world a more beautiful place.